Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening, come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. Glad you're back for Romans week two. If you got your handout, we'll go ahead and jump in. Uh, So a quick quick review of uh, what we're going to be doing today. So we're going to look at, uh, obviously, the text. Uh, We're going to read the text, explain the text, apply the text, and personalize the text, and do our table prayer time. So we're going to reap every single week. Uh, That is the plan. So... uh, A gentle reminder of what we talked about last week a bit with the Bible study time. Uh, Typically, what I have experienced is a whole lot of time focused in tools, not as much time focused on the Spirit and the Bible and discussions with other believers. Uh, And what we're wanting to move to is a much more time of Holy Spirit, please speak. Uh, Bible, stare, don't move till you see it, discussing with other believers, and then a smaller time of tools that support things and confirm things as opposed to being our primary source of information. So uh, we're in Romans 1 today. We're getting to the meat of what we are doing. So I'm excited about this. So Romans 1, uh, 1 through 7, I'll read the text, and then we'll come back and we'll walk through some explanation of the text. So Romans 1, 1 through 7. Paul a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to walk us through today as we go through uh, today's lesson and ask a series of questions because fundamentally that's what Bible study is. Bible study is asking questions and answering questions and asking questions and answering questions. So the the first question we're going to look at, uh, and many of you that emailed me this week with your observations picked up on this, uh, because if you try to read Romans 1, 1 through 7 out loud, you will quickly realize that you are grasping for a period. You are dying for Paul to find a period and put it somewhere because it is one sentence. So that's what your, your first blank is there. The text, this text is one sentence in the ESV. And reading this orally can actually be difficult because you, you're trying to time, well, where do I breathe? So a couple side comments kind of before we get into some of the text here I want to show you. But if you're going to read Scripture in public, please practice 
Um, the way in which we come at Scripture, the way in which we prepare, the way in which we engage, the way in which we discuss and talk about Scripture reflects our view of it. And it can be very subtle that somebody stands up and fumbles around, or it can be some, something that can be very powerful if it's spoken and declared appropriately. So if you're going to uh, read Scripture, especially if this is to children or if this is to adults, uh, any, anywhere in between, it is... Uh, it is what it is. So a couple observations I want to uh, draw out real quick. So Jessica Norris has been very helpful in emailing me information. Uh, and Jessica, what do you do for a living, can I ask? I'm a paralegal. You're a paralegal. And paralegals work in what type of an office? Law firm. A law firm, right. So you deal with? Lawyers. Lawyers, right. So, uh, so we talked last week about Romans being written by a lawyer. And there's lots and lots of arguments in here. And Jessica's feedback to me this week was that this sounds like opening arguments in a trial. Like I'm declaring, here's where we are, here's what we're going to do. And this is, this is who is important. This is the main character in the case. And away we go through the text. And I thought, well, that was, you know, I've, I've heard feedback from 17 or 18 of you and have personally read 20 plus commentaries about Romans. Nobody's picked up on that, so kudos. Woo, woo. I don't think we have a lot of paralegals. And preparing for a trial, absolutely. So we're. No, I'm preparing for a trial. Oh, yes. So everything kind of sounds like that. Yes, yes. <laughs> I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Uh, so, so. Let's talk about letters for a second, because this is technically a letter. It's a very, very long letter. Uh, but this is technically. I mean, if you got this letter in the mail from somebody, you'd go, oh, wow, that's. Like, that's a lot of writing, you know, and the, the red text stapled package at your table there, everybody at your table's got one. This is all of Romans in the ESV. It's 21 pages long. And if you got a letter in the mail from somebody that was 21 pages long, you would go, like, there's a phone, right? Just call me. You know, there's an easier way to do this. But they didn't have phones then, so you had to write this stuff out. Um, but in our culture, how do we start a letter in our culture? Dear... So and dear John, right? We're going well. Hopefully not, dear John, right? That's not good. Uh, <clears throat> dear Dave, we'll say Dave, right? Dave's not in here. We can talk about him. So, dear Dave. So we we start with who we are writing to, and then at the very end we do what? Sign our name, right? In this day and age, it was completely backward. You started with who wrote the letter, which is actually kind of handy because that's who you really want to know it's coming from in the first place. Uh, and then you greet them in some way. And Romans 1, 1 through 7 is that structure for the book of Romans. So uh, I wanted to show you what, uh, what Romans 1, 1 through 7 would have looked like to the actual original readers of Romans. So a couple of things. This is, this is literally the text, the Greek text of Romans. Um, so what do you notice there's, there's no what? There's no, I heard it, no spacing whatsoever, right? So everything's just run together. And they did this for a very specific reason, and the reason was what? Money, 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 yes. Papyrus was expensive. <laughs> Spaces meant you used more papyrus. That cost a lot of money. We don't do that, okay? Now, if anybody reads just a little bit of Greek, you'll notice something special about these Greek letters. They're all what? They're all uppercase. Yes, they're all uppercase. Everything was uppercase. But so there was no, you know, your translation has the start of a new sentence. It's got a, it's got a period at the end of the one before, a capital letter. Denote, helps us read all uppercase, all run together. Think through this for just a second, right? I mean, so you're reading all mashed together. So when you look at your English copy of the Bible, just 
be grateful. Let's just be grateful for just a second, right? That we have taken some, some literary devices and improved readability for us. Because, I mean, this is, you know, there's copies of the Bible in heaven, right? They may look like this. But the cool thing is when we get to heaven, we'll probably be able to read that too. So that works. That'd be awesome. Uh, but I wanted you to see what the, the text actually looked like. So, and there, there was no period at the end, and there were no commas in between, and semicolons, and, and some of your translations use every form of punctuation possible to try to get through Romans 1, 1 through 7, right? Because you just feel like you need to break it up for the reader. But this is what uh, the text actually looks like. Now, this, this, unless you are really, really good with Greek, um, is not very helpful to an English speaker, right? If some of you, some of you may know just a little bit of the words, P-A-U-L-O-S. What do you think that is? Paulos, right. That's Paul, right? Well, that's like, okay, we got that far. Yes, that's as far as we're going to go with that. However, I want to show you one other way of looking at things. So uh, the, the link that you have, I don't think I put it on your handout today, but the bit.ly slash Romans 2017 will take you to the Greek uh, New Testament. You can click on Romans 1, it'll take you to the Greek New Testament. And you can see individual words broken up in Greek. And you go, well, that's nice, Jim. Wonderful. That really doesn't help me. Very. I understand, I understand, I understand. But if you click on this word, P-A-U-L-O-S, this is Paulos, and then doulos, and then Christos Ignos. Um, so Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, right? If you click on one of these words, what it will show you is a whole bunch more stuff to help you out understanding what the words mean. Because Bible study is about words, I know this sounds really, really basic, but Bible study is about words. And staring and looking at words is a big chunk of Bible study. So here's the transliteration. So if we take the Greek letters and turn them into English letters, that's what it looks like. This is how you pronounce it. So Paulos, this is how he would have said his name. So if you greeted him as Paul, he'd look at you funny because that's not the way it sounded then. So Paulos. Uh, it was a noun, obviously. It's of Latin origin. And it means what? Anybody know? Little. You're kind of like, wait. Yeah, but he's this giant of a man. In, yep, and his name means little. Which I've always kind of wondered if this is God's inside joke. Of just, we're just going to keep you humble, right? Just going to make sure your mama names you little, and we'll be good with that, right? Uh, so there's a, there's a couple different people in the New Testament named Paul, but there's uh, one that stands out more than any other. So this is uh, one way to look at Bible study and to see what words actually mean. So the second question there on your handout, I think, is what do the words mean? And I would strongly encourage you to start looking at studying uh, Scripture this way. This is actually called an interlinear. So you've got uh, English text, and then you've got Greek text. And you can click on any one of these words. You don't have to know Greek. It'll explain it all for you, which is very, very handy. So um, that's kind of the technical stuff for today's lesson. just want to make sure you did that. If, however, you go through and you click on every single one of the words in all of the verses that we're looking at today, and you go through and find the definitions, what you end up with is something that looks like this. And this is uh, very similar to... Does anybody use an Amplified Bible? You, you know what an Amplified Bible is? Use ampl- right. So t- describe to me kind of what Amplified Bible does that's different than a typical Bible. If I remember, actually, 
my dad has a copy yep. since I looked at it. It lists, it'll say the word, and then it'll say other words that mean the same. Or yes. Same yep. Right, next to it. right. So it's, it's almost a definitionally based interlinear without the Greek text. So you get the benefit of doing this type of study without having to go through some of the work, which like, oh, okay, somebody's already done this. Yeah, this is not original with me, right? This is Jim clicking on all the words and figuring out what they mean. Uh, and what you begin to see is that words are repeated. And Greek words are repeated, and you may not notice that they're repeated in English because they may use different English words. But you start to see patterns. You start to see repetition. You start to see trends. Uh, and this, these are things that can be very, very helpful. So, so I'm going to read through this, and I want you to look at your English text of Romans 1, 1 through 7, while I read through this more expanded uh, version of it. Paul, little, a servant, doulos, a slave, a bondservant of Christ, the anointed one, Jesus, Jehovah is salvation, called, invited, appointed, or called to be an apostle or delegate or ambassador, set apart, Set off by a boundary, limited, excluded, appointed, divided, separated, severed. It's in the perfect middle participle tense. For the gospel, the good message, the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand or promised of old or promised before. Through his prophets, the foretellers, the inspired speakers, the prophets in the holy or sacred scriptures, the documents concerning his son or child who was descended or sown or issued the seed. From David, this is the beloved, this is somebody who came from the offspring of David, according to the flesh or the, the physical body, the human being, and was declared, or marked out, or bounded, or appointed, or decreed, specified, declared, determined, limited, ordained, to be the son of God, the child, the son of God in power. This is dunamis, the force, the miraculous power, the ability, abundance, might, power, strength, violence, mighty work, according to the spirit, the breath the breeze, the soul of holiness, the sacredness by his resurrection, the standing up, the moral recovering, the raising from the dead, the rising again from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, the supreme authority, the controller, Mr. God, Lord, Master, Sir, through whom we have received or taken, gotten hold of, accepted, attained, brought, caught, held, obtained, received, taken away, grace, Graciousness, acceptability, beneficialness, favor, gift, gracious, grace, joy, liberality, pleasure, thanks, thankworthy, and apostleship. This is a commission, an apostolate, apostleship, to bring about the obedience, the attentive hearkening, the compliance, submission, obedience of faith, or persuasion, credence, moral conviction, reliance upon, constancy and profession, truth itself, assurance, belief, belief, faith, fidelity, for the sake of his name, his called name, among all the nations or races or tribes, foreign ones, Gentiles, heathens, nations, peoples, including you who are called or invited, appointed, called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome, means strength, who are loved or beloved. This is the root word is agape, by God and called, invited, appointed, called to be saints or to be sacred saints. Grace, graciousness, acceptability, beneficialness, favor, gift, gracious, grace, joy, liberality, pleasure, thanks, thankworthy to you and peace to join peace, quietness, rest from God, our father, our parent, our father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is more of what the words actually mean. And staring at the words and looking at the words, you will start to see some things. So here's your next blank. Are there any repeated Greek words? And the answer is yes. There's actually several repeated Greek words. And we're going to use the English words on your handout. I'm not going to try to have you spell all the Greek words. That can be a bit challenging, right? We're going to go easy on you. So uh, the first word that, I, that we want to talk about is called. C-A-L-L-E-D. Called. 
So you want to ask, how is called used? So I want you to look at your English translation and tell me where called shows up. Called to be an apostle, right? So Paul was called to be an apostle. So there was a calling that God had um, on his life, which is good. What's that? Yeah, we're called to be his. Who's holy people? His. Who's his? Jesus. That's right. We're called to be Jesus' holy people, which is awesome, right? Because I'm not just doing this by myself. We are a group. There's a lot of implications here. He, he personally picked and chose. This is important. Uh, and there's somebody in charge of this. And he, what else are we called to be? Saints. Yes. Holiness. We're called to be set apart. We're called to be sacred. And this is, this is very, very good. Ironside has a great quote here. He says, we do not become saints by acting in a saintly way. Right? Because one, that's impossible. Uh, we are constituted saints. We are declared to be. So we're called to be saints into this space. So that falls into our second repeated word, uh, declared. D-E-C-L-A-R-E-D. Declared. It's the second bullet there. So where does declared show up? In verse 4, right? What's it talk about in verse 4? Jesus declared what? To be the Son of God. Now this is, a, this is a verse that is very easy to go down a horrible, heretical, misinterpretive rabbit trail. Because what this verse does not say, that there was a point in time where Jesus was not God, and then Jesus, and then the Father says, now you are God. No, 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 no. That is absolutely not what is being discussed here. What is being discussed here is that the resurrection was proof of this already existing fact, right? Have you ever had a time in your life where you discovered something that had been true for a very long time, but it only dawned on you when some event happened? You're like, oh, yeah, okay. Wow, that was, yep, this happens almost every day. Right? We discover something new and recognize some pre-existing truth. So, uh, does declared show up anybody, anywhere else? Not the English word, right? It shows up in verse 1. This word for set apart. He was declared, he was set apart for what? The gospel, absolutely. Those are the same word that show up there. Which is one of the reasons I think we need to stare at the words and look and study and look at these things. Uh, any other repeated Greek words? Well, oh, let me back up for just a second. Would you agree that Paul's life was about the gospel? Did, we could read his writings and go, I think that he really cared about that. Yes, this shows up over and over and over and over and over again. We'll see this in Romans as well. Uh, any other repeated Greek words? I heard it. What? Grace. Yes. Grace is a repeated word. Where does grace show up? Verse 5, right? What happens in verse 5 with grace? Who, who, who's handing it out? Christ is handing it out, right? Do we see the centrality of Jesus Christ in, this, in these verses? That Jesus is what Paul is talking about. Jesus is the one doing the action. Jesus is the one including and distributing grace. This is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff. What else, where else does grace show up? 
Last verse, verse 7, right? In the actual, like, the greeting part of this greeting that we call greeting, right? So what does he say? Grace to you and peace. So grace and peace. Anybody know why we use both those words? Some of you do because some of you emailed it to me this week. Yes, Stephen? Yep, the Gentiles and the Jews. Which ones were for the Gentiles? Grace is for Gentiles, and peace was for the Jews, right? Shalom, peace, is a very Old Testament concept. The Old Testament is drenched in peace. We think it's drenched in war and fighting. It is drenched in peace in the resolution of those things, that the Messiah is going to come, and he is going to be the Prince of Peace. He's not going to be. He is the Prince of Peace. Sorry. I'm not trying to deny the eternality of the Son. I corrected my theological statement there. Here we go. Uh, For the... The Gentiles, there's grace, there's inclusiveness, there's you are going to be part of this thing that was reserved only for somebody else. So in this greeting, he welcomes, he, he says hello to both the Jews and the Gentiles that are part of this church, which is really pretty awesome. So we've got called, we've got declared, we've got grace. So are there, are there any topics that Paul brings up more than once? Any themes that you run through and you see, like this is, like he talks about, I'll give you a hint, this person over and over and over and over and over again. Who's he talking about? Jesus. Yes, that's your next blank. It would be awful if we somehow missed Jesus in Romans 1, 1 through 7. So where does Jesus show up? So we have Christ Jesus. Oh, I want to stop and talk about this for just a second. Does any of your translations, that some of you are never going to use the ESV, and I'm completely okay with that. I just want us all to be on the same page where we can. Do any of your non-ESV translations say Jesus Christ? King James James does? Excellent. Those differences are about, the, the differences between the order of Christ Jesus and Jesus Christ in the Greek manuscripts constitute about 95% of the differences in the Greek manuscripts that we have. So, Every copy of all the Greek manuscripts, the originals, not the originals, but the the copies of the originals that we have, some of them have very, very minor differences in them. But the vast majority of the differences are the order of the words of the titles of Jesus Christ. That's exactly right. In Hebrew, that was a different thing because you put things in certain orders and that was kind of important. But in Greek, it's really just... The same thing, right? It's, it's more about the endings of the words than it is the beginnings of the things. Which I think there's a theological principle there that God chose that language because it's about the ending of the thing and not the beginning of the thing. But that's, that's like a, uh, I've, st- I've been thinking about that for three or four years now. So, so these are the big distinctions between the Greek manuscripts. So when you go, somebody, somebody tells you, well, there's differences in those manuscripts. Yep. It's either Jesus is the Christ or Christ is the Jesus. So let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> Bring it, <laughs> right? We're going to talk about Jesus either way. Uh, all right, I have no idea where I was at. All right, Jesus, that's where we were. So Jesus shows up in verse 1 here. Where else does he show up? Verse 2, the Son. Where else does he show up? Verse 4, the Son. This is why I put things in colors so my, my eye can jump to the different parts very quickly. Uh, we've got verse 4 again, Jesus Christ our Lord. So how many is that? So we got Christ Jesus, we got Son, we got Son, we got Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you. That's where I was getting to. 
it's almost as if the Holy Spirit was dared to see how much Jesus we could shove into seven verses of Scripture. It was like, how much Jesus can we put into this text? Now, those of you that have ever coached any type of a sport, you know that there are two critical times when you're communicating to your team that, that they are listening. And if you ever watch a basketball game or a football game and you see the team come off the field and huddle around the coach, the coach's message, the very first words out of the coach's mouth and the very last words out of the coach's mouth are what the kids remember. That is what they remember. And Paul starts off this letter, Jesus, 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 Jesus. What do you think we're going to talk about in this letter? We're going to talk about Jesus. Absolutely. So, that's your first blank under the topics. Uh, and then the second one is Jesus' sonship. Because that particular aspect of Jesus is repeated several times as well. And then I have a bullet hanging out there all by itself, right? You like that? It's actually not. <laughs> Finally, a, a hanging bullet that's not a typo. Uh, what do you see as repeated topics? So here's how you answer this. You stare at the text. Come on with it. Uh, the relationship with the Father. So you... Absolutely. Jesus' divinity is a repeated topic here. Yes, absolutely. Good. What else? So guys, there are a lot of right answers for this. I could have put five more bullets out here. I just didn't want to overwhelm you. So if you want to add five more bullets and stare at the text, that's awesome. I left you with a thought last week uh, when we dismissed of assume you're missing things in the text. Read the text with the assumption that we are missing things because we are, right? That's the way this works. Yes, Albert? Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus, it started here through the prophets, yep. and then went here, he's David, and he goes here. Absolutely. He's walking through the history of the universe, right? To so the prophets, and David, and Jesus came, in his resurrection, and we're declaring him, and this is good. So one of the topics is like time, actually, without using the word time, which is... Impressive. What about God the Father? Yes. Multiple times. Multiple times, right? Absolutely. Because you can't have a son without having a father. Right? So these very connected concepts. Very good. What else? I'm telling you, there's gobs of right answers here. There's gobs of them. And some of you are going, I don't see any more. That's okay. This is why Bible study is a slow and steady thing. This is not microwave cooking. This is crockpot cooking. Bill Brandenburg insulted my generation in the best possible way. He said that mine was the generation. We knew you started knowing each other 15 years ago. He said, yours is, the- so I was 25. <clears throat> he said, yours is the generation that taps their foot at the microwave. He's like, mine is the generation that didn't have a microwave. He's like, well, that sucks for you. So that's, <laughs> that's all I can think of there. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just too bad. <laughs> And I do. I find myself tapping my foot at the microwave. I, I have a, a couple bad spots in my back, and my wife for Christmas got me a, uh, I have no idea what it's called, but it's, it's, 
it's a rice pack. It's like it's rice, and it's got this really soft material around it. And you can you can put it in the microwave. It's crazy, but it takes two two and a half minutes in the microwave. Like what needs two and a half minutes in the microwave? I'm missing a campfire. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, it takes forever. And I'm, I'm like, I'm in pain. So I'll sit there, I'm just staring at it. And, just, and you can't see anything, right? Because it's not, it's not cooking the rice. It's just heating it up. It's like, all right. And every time I see myself tapping my foot, I'm like, Brandenburg, dang it, he's right. Dang it, he's right. All right. All right, so we're going to take a couple minutes here and look at some observations of the text. So on the back side of the handout. So little man, this is the, this is the word that I want you to... Get your mom to help you spell, because your dad's not going to spell it right. So observations of the text. Okay, cool. That's my personal ministry right there. Uh, All right, so Paul's a servant. So he calls himself a servant. So if you ever introduced yourself to somebody, it's like, hi, I'm Jim, I'm a servant. Seems like an odd way to start, right? But it's a good way to position yourself under the authority of somebody else. Of Christ, and I'm, so the, the, text here is spread out on purpose, so you can make some notes if you want to make some notes in the margins and whatnot, and in between the lines and all that. Um, a servant of Christ Jesus. So he makes a beeline to Jesus. All right, we're going straight to Jesus. Called Paul. He was called. Ravi Zacharias has a great quote. He says, a job is something you choose, a calling which is something for which you have been chosen. And God has callings on our lives. Called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So he, he makes a beeline for Jesus. He makes a beeline for the gospel. Um, Chris Arnold sent me a great line. He said, there is humility there and a reminder that this is God's business, not Paul's business, right? I mean, this is not, this was not Paul going, I am an apostle. Ha ha. Here's the business card <laughs> or business pa- papers. I don't know how that would work, but um, that would be exceedingly expensive, wouldn't it? <laughs> I wonder if it was a little business card. That'd be good. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Greek humor. It's awful. It's awful. I know. Sorry. All right. So uh, set apart or separated. Rachel brought something out that uh, Jay Vernon uh, illustrated for us. He said separated from something and separated to something are two different things. Right? I don't like to go to the hospital because I like to be separated from disease. Right? But in my marriage relationship with this woman back here, I am separated to her. I have, I'm sorry, I kicked your, that's a very nice bag. Sorry about that. I am separated to her and I am saying no to everybody else and yes to her in a very special way. Does this make sense? I love you, dear. I'm sorry for what I'm about to do. Um, No, I'm not. Uh, verse 2, there we go, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So Paul is connecting Jesus with the prophets of the Old Testament. Now, did Paul know the Old Testament? Yes, right? I mean, he was intimately trained. There are, I would say it's better than even odds that Paul had either the majority or possibly all of the Old Testament memorized. And you're going... Like, how is that even possible? He dedicated his life to the study of this. And when the Holy Spirit shines the light on him and illuminates all of what he has poured his entire life into and says it was all about Jesus, he goes, oh, wow. And then God does this beautiful thing. He uses all of the things that Paul learned before he came to Christ for Jesus. 
And some of you did not turn to Christ until later in your life. And I'm telling you, God did not waste all of those years. Those were investing and pouring and preparing to use that for Jesus in a very special way. So I will tell you, don't discard your time before Christ because God used Paul's in an amazing, amazing way. So verse 3, concerning his son who was descended from David. So Paul connects Jesus with King David. According to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power. According to the Spirit of holiness, by His resurrection from the dead. So we already talked about this, but that resurrection was the stamp of approval on Jesus' life and message. Uh, McLaren said, uh, The resurrection is God's last and loudest proclamation, that this is my beloved Son, hear ye Him. It validated everything that He had ever said in His life. Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we, we can't... Skip over the fact that, Jesus, that Paul declares Jesus to be Lord. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name. Among the nations. Who's the nations? Raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. You're the nations. Hi, we're the nations. Because <laughs> this word is the non-Jewish people. We're the non-Jewish people. This is for us. Right? And this is wonderful for the sake of his name among the nations. Uh, MacArthur's got a great quote here. He says, Although God gave his own son to save the world and does not wish for any person to perish, it must be recognized that the primary purpose of the gospel is not for man's sake, but for God's. For God's name's sake. Man's salvation is simply a byproduct of God's grace, and its main focus is to display God's glory. The Bible is not about us. The universe is not about us. The history of all things is not about us. It is about God's glory. We have a place in that, but it's about God's glory. Verse 6, including you who are called to belong to Christ Jesus. Our salvation is connected with our calling. This is beautiful. To all those who are in Rome. Now, had Paul been to Rome? Nope, hadn't been there. But he knew people there. Right? We'll talk about that as we go through the text. Who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace, the Gentile greeting, to you and peace, the Jewish greeting from God our Father. Who has the same daddy? The Jews and the Gentiles. Isn't that awesome? Now, to a Jew, this, this would not have been welcome news, right? That the God of Abraham is the God of the Gentiles. That's... That's, you, you're stepping on some toes here, right? Uh, but it is beautiful. And the Lord Jesus Christ. And Gentiles and Jews have the same Lord in Jesus Christ. All right, so what's the point of all this? All right. So you've got two columns of what's the point, and you've got two columns of what do we do with that. So the first column, the column on the left, is really about Bible study, and the column on the right is really about Romans. So the first column on the left, their Bible study is slow. It is slow. It is slow. So that personalize. Now, those of you that are, like, you, you have got to be really paying attention to see the distinction here. Um, uh, you have really got to be seeing it. But what do we do with that is a huge, huge shift in the way that I'm going to teach Romans versus the way that I have taught all the other books that I've ever taught in my entire life. Because the personalization in the past has always been, what do I do with that? Right. So these letters were written to groups of people. So we're going to look at the personalization as a group personalization as opposed to an individual personalization. I 
fear that our Americanized Christianity is getting too hyper-personalized and not enough community-focused. So I'm going to shift, I'm going to push us a different direction. So number one under that, apply, the Bible study is slow. So what do we do with that? Well, slow down and stare at the text. It's, it's not much more complicated than that. Uh, number two, Bible study asks questions. So talk. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Talk to each other. This is a good thing. Uh, number three, Bible study asks more questions. So when you think you've asked enough questions, nope, ask some more. It's good. And then ask some more. And if you stop asking questions at the point where you can answer them all, we haven't even begun to ring out all the truth that's there. So what do I do with that? Talk more. Talking is good. All right, it's in that second column, that right-hand column. Paul focuses on Jesus. So what do we do with that? We focus on Jesus. When we talk to people, talk about Jesus. There's gobs of ways to talk about Jesus. <clears throat> Number two, Paul focuses on the gospel. So guess what we're going to focus on? The gospel. We're going to focus on the gospel. And Paul starts with grace and peace. So we will talk about grace and peace as well. Sound good? Amen. All right. So we read, we explained, we applied, we personalized, R-E-A-P, REAP. That's what we're going to do every single week as we go through. Next week's text is longing to go to Rome. So Paul's going to talk about where he wants to go and why. Uh, Romans 1, 8 through 15. So your process, again, ask the Holy Spirit for help. Read Romans 1, 8 through 15 a lot. Talk to somebody about Romans. Um, I'm liking where the group Romans page thing is going. Lots of good observations some conversations. I think we'll get started soon. Uh, and then if you have any... Uh, Helpful insights or quotes, email those to me by Wednesday. So, that was just the introduction. That was just like the, hey, how you doing? I'm Paul. It's good to see you. Got a lot of fun coming. A lot of fun coming. All right, so at the middle of your table is a weekly update. So lean in, engage, uh, pray as a group. When you have finished praying as a group, then you are dismissed to go. So, thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. (laughs) 